This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards and I'm your host today. David's out on the trail doing all kinds of shows, showing off the bow spider to everybody <laughs> around the North America. It feels like he's been on the road quite a bit. I think he's done three shows in the last like week and a half. So you'll have to excuse David today, but I have a special guest on and I get a lot of questions. And I think a lot of the questions surround the fact that PK Lures is a sponsor of the podcast. And I have a fairly long history with PK and so does my guest. And my guest is probably been, I would say, one of the most successful anglers with PKs um, since since they went big and uh, even before that. And so we're going to talk about that. So those of you who send me questions a lot about how do I catch this kind of species or that kind of species, or how do I target really big walleye with PKs? I have the perfect guest to answer some of those questions for us today. So I just want to introduce Tim Jenny. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Appreciate it. And you're up in Saskatchewan, which is one of the best places in the entire world to catch big walleyes, especially. And so I want you to just do kind of a quick introduction for everybody about who you are, where you're from, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Well, like you, uh, you alluded to, I'm in Saskatchewan, Canada, probably one of the pristine provinces, in my humble opinion, <laughs> where uh, big fish swim. And uh, there's not a lot of people in the province. We've only got like, I think, one point. I'm going to say 4 million and we're, we're pretty large. We've got, I mean, the number of lakes and streams and ponds and ditches that you can catch a fish in are second to none. There's a lot of good quality lakes and rivers and whatnot that uh, produce some really record breaking type of fish. We've got it here in Saskatchewan. I've been fishing these lakes uh, and rivers and whatnot for about 50 years now. It's been, it's been really good. You know, people talk about how good it is in other parts of the, of the uh, country. Uh, even the states as well, but uh, I think we're second to none. We we stay right up there in some of the, you know, the go-to spots where people talk about, you know, bucket list. Well, Saskatchewan got a got a lot of them. Quite frankly, I think probably some of the best. So that's where I I am originating out of. I'm born and raised in Saskatchewan. And don't really plan on leaving unless my son moves away to up to Yuktuk and I gotta follow with the wife and the family. <laughs> so. Well, and a lot of people don't know this, but you once held the world record for the catch and release walleye um, through the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, I believe, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. That that uh, that took place uh, quite a few moons ago, back in 2011. Uh, Pat O'Grady, the founder of PK Lures, uh, came up and uh, started fishing. Uh, we did a, actually a, a show, and, and the video is uh, on YouTube. You can still find it out there where you can uh, see me catch that record breaking fish. And, uh, we actually didn't, you know, we didn't go out to say we we're going to catch a world record walleye. Uh, just a bunch of friends went out, Pat showed up and, uh, we did a TV show with him. And, uh, it was the first time basically people heard of and even knew about PK lures. It was kind of just a few months into it. And, uh, I suggested to Pat cause they wanted to do something special. And I said, 
bunch of books to Canada. I mean, this is uh, world renowned for some really big fish, even Lakers, other species, but walleye wise. And uh, it didn't take but one, one call and one conversation and a little twist of an arm and they were coming up to fish. So brought up a few of his buddies and uh, a camera and we started uh, recording. And by Georgia, if I didn't lock into, you know, a phenomenal fish that that the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame goes by length. It's measured, released, and it's got to be live release. So I held the, the Division IV uh, uh, live release uh, walleye. Uh, there was a bigger walleye caught in Saskatchewan, and it is the world record. Still stands as the ice world record. And that was a priest up in Nifflin caught that fish, which again is one of the waters that I fish a lot. And I've taken some really big fish out of there as well. So he's got uh, that, that category was, was held by, by him as well. And uh, but that was kept, and uh, this is a live release record. And you know, uh, it's since been broken. I just actually got a call, a fellow in the states talking about it. Uh, it goes by length, and mine was just shy of 34 inches, and now the record's live release is just over 34 inches. So, still proud of it. You know, any record that you hold is is something to behold, and uh, I'm happy that I held it for even a few years. So, yeah. So, people, if you're wondering if he's qualified to talk about big fish, I'd say. For walleyes, especially, yes, you are qualified. Um, yeah. I've never caught a walleye even close to that. I think my biggest is just over 31 inches. So to catch something that big, that's that's a hog in any yeah. any body of water. But yeah. that's not my biggest. It's not your biggest. So what's your biggest? <laughs> no, my my biggest walleye in a, in actually a tournament, the Vanity Cup uh, up in Nippon, Saskatchewan, which is a pristine tournament as well. Uh, I had, and it held for the longest time. We did some investigating on it because it, it's not really a recorded record, but the word of mouth, we talked to some of the big guys that in fishermen and they said, yeah, that's the biggest one that we know of caught in a professional tournament. And uh, it was 15 pounds, 12 ounces was, uh, was that record at that time. And I caught the fish and, and me and my partner, Dan Delinsky ended up winning the tournament. So uh, yeah, that and that fish was just over 34 inches. So yeah, it was a behemoth. And again, that's on video too, if you want to go to YouTube and play around and, and look for it. Uh, live released, of course, that was something to behold. But I've got nine walleye over 14 pounds myself personally. And and I don't even want to guess how many I've got over 10 pounds because it would be almost ridiculous. Again, we've got the waters here that produce them. I think we're going to touch on that a little bit. But uh, yeah, pretty proud of that uh, that fish as well. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And just, I mean, kind of like the milestone for a lot of walleye guys is to catch a fish over 10 pounds. That's kind of like the the benchmark, you know, that everybody has or a fish over 30 inches. Because typically with the formula, if you're at 30 inches, you're close to 10 pounds, right around 10 pounds. It it starts to get more exponential as you go up because like I know the Wyoming state record was just over 17 pounds and it was about a 34 inch fish, but it was really girthy, you know, had a lot right. of mass to it. Right. But yeah, I do want to touch on walleye. Cause I get a lot of questions about that walleye angling and in, in the, you know, kind of Western United States has really grown over the last 30 years. You know, Wyoming is typically known for trout. So is Colorado and Montana, you know, we have amazing trout fishing and, and we always have, you know, big lake trout, brown trout, rainbow trout, those kind of things. But now there's a pretty good, you know, chunk of lakes that have big walleyes too. You know, I get a lot of questions from guys like, you know, you talk about the PK spoon, you talk about the flutter fish, you talk about this new rattle spoon. Do they mm-hmm. actually work? Do they catch fish? And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, they, they really do. And, and you're out there using them more than just about anybody that I know, especially right. targeting the species of walleye. So 
you know, what, what's kind of your go-to on a daily basis when you're going out to hit the water, you know, what do you have in your kit that you're taking to pursue walleye on any given day? Right. Well, normally what we like to do is you start off a react, all of our PK lures are a little bit different when you, when you go to a, a tackle store and start looking at different products on the, on the wall, you're going to see spoons, you're going to see crankbaits, you're going to see, you know, various different lures that you're going to use to catch these fish. But PK always seems to step outside that boundary. You know, like we've always said, catching fish redefined. If you know Pat O'Grady, when he invented the, you know, the flutter fish and the PK spoon, and then since then, we've just been tweaking it and adding this and taking this away. And then Kurt, Kurt Reef now owns the, owns the company. And Kurt's just a, an ambassador for the sport where he wants to make it that much better for anglers to catch bigger and better fish. And it's proven. I mean, we've had so many stories of guys coming out and saying, my personal best, biggest I've ever caught, most I've ever caught. With PK, it's designed differently than, than your average spoon. And it, I believe it, it triggers fish when others won't. And uh, that's been that's been the case. And, and Kurt's taken it on to a, a level where if there's something out there that needs to be tweaked, whether it's you just didn't, you know, uh, him and Pat got the, you know, the, the spinajig invented and then the new rattle spoon invented and now the new ridge rattler, you know, with rattles in it that are superior to, to any other out there that I've been using. He tweaks it. And I think that really moves it up to the next level of, of a lure that you should want to have in your tackle box when I've been out with guys and, you know, they're, they're not catching fish and I'm just absolutely pounding the fish. And what are you using? Here you go. We've got such a large array of sizes and colors too. Don't even know how many skews we have. We've got quite a few. I'm going to guess in the 400 plus mark. And we've gone into the, you know, the, the summer stuff as well. But for winter time, uh, you know, we've got some superior product that guys are just, you hear Wonder Bread Spoon. Well, that's, that's been the PK go-to, uh, you know, the new Ridge uh, Rattlers, another go-to now. Uh, it just keeps getting better and better. And, and until you try them, you know, most guys, ah, I got, I got this, I got that. Give it, you know, take, take a few bucks out of the pocket and give it a shot because I'll tell you, you will be impressed and you will uh, see why it catches fish. And a lot of times fish get accustomed to stuff and they don't, they don't tweak on it as, as much as they, you know, they would every day, every day, seeing the same lure down there that everybody's presenting to them. You know, some, some lakes and, and rivers have their own little, you know, idiosyncrasies where that's what you got to use, but it never hurts to try something different. And, you know, I'm all about trying something different and, and PK makes it so that you can try something different because there's so many colors and so many designs and, and, and different options for, for everyday anglers. Especially this time of year when you're ice fishing, what, how do you set up and typically start? Because I know every angler has their go-to. Mine personally is the flutter fish. It's just yeah. because that's what I started with and that's what I love and I've caught lots yeah. of fish on it. So yeah. I go to my confidence bait, but what's your kind of confidence baits in order and kind of based on what you see from the fish, what progression do you go through? Right. I, I usually start off with a with a rattle spoon, like the new PK rattle spoon. In the past, we just had the PK spoon without a rattle, and that would be your go-to start one. And I'll I'll go between those two quite often. And against it, it's it's basically that the sound vibration noise. Uh, the PK rattle spoon has a little blade on the top, a little willow blade. It seems to trigger the fish as well. It's almost like a 3D, and the the bait is designed with most of the weight on the bottom half of it. So when you, when you jig it up and down, like a normal spoon would just kind of flutter off to the side. This one kind of up and down is a little more erratic and the pendulum's out and then slides back. And those fish seem to react to that. 
again, a triggering something a little bit different that the fish haven't seen before because it's just, you know, monotonous. They say, oh, there's the jig and a minnow, jig and a minnow, which works. Don't get me wrong. We've got a PK thinner jig that we work with, a jig and a minnow. But I like to go after them fairly aggressively. And then if I see that, you know, my, uh, my fish finder, whatever you're using, number one, have one. I don't care what you're using, but you've got to own one to know if the fish are there and how they're going to rack to your bait. I use the Vexlar 30, great unit. A lot of guys use the live scopes now and, and different styles of that. Uh, but the key is to have something down there so you can see what those fish are, are doing and if there's actually fish there. Because they'll come in and if you're spooking the fish way and they won't react, then I start to change. And then I'll go down to a small, I'll even downsize. I'll start with a three eighths and a, a quarter sometimes. Uh, last, I was out on Sunday and uh, yesterday and literally uh, down to an eighth ounce with a small bait on it, uh, usually a middle head or a, a live minnow in, in Saskatchewan isn't loud. We're, we have to use dead bait. So uh, we, we stick with the, the artificials and, and a middle head, frozen middle head. And uh, don't use too much. You don't want to uh, basically uh, over bait a, a PK lure because it, takes away from the action that you, you want. So either circle a small minnow on your treble hook and or just the, the, the head. And sometimes, again, when you catch a fish, we use a fish eye or a piece of gullet or whatever. Again, you can go to PK and lures uh, our Facebook page and we've got umpteen videos and, and pictures of people using those lures. But I always start out with the rattle and then I'll go down to the, the spoon. And then it's it's not unusual to, to say, why are And we have got so many times where those fish come in and they just won't nothing so then you, you talk about the flutterfish and that's a, a change or two there they seem to just and I, it, it's a really strange looking lure it looks like a peanut and it's got the dimples on it and it's you know each each side of the each half is identical so it's got a really cool flutter to it and fish just it, it triggers them and uh, again now that's that's my three favorite and then now we've, we've gone and thrown in this ridge rattler that's that's you know taken my heart away because boy, I'll tell you, we caught a lot of fish on that ridge rattle this year too. Again, we had a really strong bite going on the rattle spoon and it was like, they just disappeared. They were, you know, they were there, but they just wouldn't want to you know, commit. So we dropped down that ridge rattler and just pounded them. So I like to say, let the fish, you know, tell you what they want. Don't, don't go out there and be a fisherman and say, oh, he's going to bite this come, come, you know what? And uh, just let the fish tell you, you know, if you want something bigger, you rip a big, half ounce or three quarter ounce butterfish or a bigger spoon, that can be the ticket. Experiment is key in, in catching big fish. If you just go out there with, with one lure and one color and yeah, you'll catch some fish, but there's those days when you start playing around and changing, that you're going to have a massive success. So for you on the color selection, cause I get asked this a lot cause the red dot glow has always been my favorite, yeah. but yeah. for you, like what, what are the colors that you always have in your bag? Cause like for me, it's like red dot glow, fire tiger glow. I like that wonder bread spoon. I was snap jigging yeah. that for, uh, for trout last year. And you talk about mm -hmm. some fun. I had a great time catching like 20 to 22 inch rainbows that just come up and about rip oh. the rod out of my hand. But I also like the like the the crawfish color, the pink glow, yeah. you know, some of those. So what are your go-to colors that you always have? Uh, I think I'll agree with you on the red dot. Well, that's always been, you know, tie one on at least one of your rods and, and or have it available for yourself. The Wonder Bread's been really, you know, been doing really well lately. Again, it's a white and, you know, kind of like the underside of a fish, the white color. I think they see it, it you know, you think about Wonder Bread, it's just a bunch of dots on it on a lure, but man, it, uh, it outperforms a lot of times, but then you gotta, you know, again, 
change and play and let the fish to show you. On a sunny day, I'll, I, I'll go with the silvers and the gold and the coppers. We've got some really deadly colors there. Just, uh, you know, just like a spoon, just boom. It, it's shiny, it flashes. They come in for that look and seal the deal. And then when it's you know, a little bit cloudier, or low light, I like uh, all our spoons in the majority, I think like I'll say 99%, they have a glow pigmentism to them. And uh, that glow really, really uh, is super glow. And you charge that up with your, I use the Vexler glow ring and or even a flashlight or whatever and charge that at night and early morning. A lot of guys buy a glow hook and they never put it under a charger. It, you're defeating the purpose. Discolored water, dark in the morning and evening. I will drop that thing down there and, and I will start out fishing guys three to one and they're like, oh, you got another one. Yeah. Did you charge? No, I forgot. And they're, you know, in there starting to charge their lures too. And then we're all on fish. So that's the key. It's designed for a reason to use it. It's going to catch you more fish. I guarantee that. And I'll tell you, if you're focused on trout and burbot, same thing. Like if, if it's a low light condition and you take those glow lures, you get them charged up and you drop them down with like a piece of sucker meat, a minnow head, something like that. Those lake trout love it. Splake love it. Brown trout love it. I haven't met a fish yet that didn't like it. So, I mean, it is a great way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And most companies have come out with that. You know, they've got, they've got glows on to their lures and, and, and whatnot. So that's the reason they do it because it works. And uh, PK's got some exceptional colors that glow, super glow. It helps seal the deal. That's just to let everybody know. I think you're one of the better walleye anglers in anywhere. And so I wanted to pick your brain specifically on, cause I get a lot of questions about this is like based on the season and where do you catch walleyes? Where should you look for walleyes? And I know it varies. I mean, you have, walleyes and rivers you have walleyes and reservoirs lakes ponds all of the above but as a general rule throughout this season if you could kind of take me through like starting at early ice and going all the way through the season what is your game plan when you're going out and you're looking for where you would find the fish especially on like lakes reservoirs that kind of thing right i think the the number one and oh thank you for saying i'm a good angler but there's so many good guys out there now the equipment and whatnot that there's a lot of great anglers out there. Appreciate you giving me the kudos, but I learned from a lot of them too. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it could all be taught. And if you take the time out and, and listen and watch these guys on these YouTube videos and whatnot, man, they could show you a lot. Uh, what I could say to that is uh, number one, like if we wanted to start in spring and a fellow by the name of Don Lamont years ago used to say, find the warmest water, Tim. And you know, I used to fish with a bit of, and around a good guy. And at, at the end of the day, that's one of the keys is, is finding shallow water, warm, the warmest water you can find. And a lot of times, like fishing a, a lake like Lake Deepen Baker, let's say, for instance, the water temperature in the 40s and we do spring tournaments. And if you can find 50, 52, 54, just even two or three or four degrees warmer, that is going to be lights out. Uh, those fish go back in those big bays and they go back and in, in areas where the, the water is going to warm quicker with a darker bottom. And that's where we like to target the fish. And that's, that's always been a key for me. Now they don't stay there long, a lot of time, but when you're looking in the springtime, it's, it's find the warmest water. Even if it, it could be right where you launch your boat in a, in a, in a back Marina, you'd be surprised what would be in, in those spots, but that's, that's number one. Look for the, the warmest water that you can possibly find in the spring. Sometimes your, your boat launch though in the middle of the lake, there's no warm water close to it. So you gotta, you might have to make a drive or a long run to find that warmer water. But at the end of the day, it's going to pay off in, in, you know, in dividends. You're going to be able to catch the biggest fish and, and the most fish in my opinion. They like the warm water. 
And that pretty much holds true with, with the majority of species that I, that I chase. So that'd be number one. And then of course, you're looking for, for walleye, uh, you're looking for any sort of a, a structural difference. If there's rock and rubble and, and maybe some fresh weeds that have come up a little points, nooks and crannies where they'll push the bait again. So they're going to feed, but they're, you know, they're, they're spawning and they're kind of getting off that, that phase, but they're looking for, you know, something a little bit different, man, this, this spring, we were catching fish in three and four feet of water where, I mean, shore fishermen could have just held their line out uh, two feet from the shoreline and caught these fish. That's how shallow they were. You pitch to the shoreline, pull it off the, the edge and boom. And those fish will be in, in anywhere from one and a half to four feet of water all the time, all the time. And then as, as it warms and, you know, starts to get to the point where it's in the eighties and nineties, which I've also caught fish in that shallow stuff in the, in those hot temperatures. But uh, when they hit around that 80 degree mark, uh, you know, they probably boiled right out of there, but there'll be a few fish around. We start to then drop into the secondary drop-offs and start, you know, then you're 10, 12, 14, 18. And then, then they start moving really fast. And, you know, I fished in the States before PWT years back and, and they'd be in back bays and, and within two days, three days there, where'd they go? And, 10 miles down the lake on, on reefs. It's just, they're a crazy creature, <laughs> but that's probably number one would be the spring. And then in the summertime, as things start warming up, they start migrating down the shoreline. They're looking for feed. They're, you know, getting into their summer patterns. And then you start, you know, in the, in the spring, you're fishing usually historically flip bobbers, light jigs, live bait, uh, some crank baits and stuff like that, throwing that sort of stuff. We we'll do a little bit of that, but mostly it's, it's bobbers and jigs and, and lindy rigging. And then uh, as the summer starts to, to wear on, uh, you're looking for deeper water, not, not necessarily real deep water, but deeper than that shallow stuff, which is usually weed ch choked in that. And then we go into the secondary, the, you know, you're, you're 10 to 20. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how deep they will go. I don't like targeting fish that deep. Rarely will you ever see me in 30 feet plus. I mean, it's just like, unless I drifted out there by accident, I like to target them because a lot of the fish stay in that shallower water and along the shorelines, they'll come up and feed at certain times of the day. Anyway, targeting the too deep can be harmful to them as well. So that, that's the summer kind of pro process. And again, we start moving a little quicker in the summertime. We're starting to pull, you know, uh, crank baits. You're starting to pull uh, spinners with, with, uh, we got PK's got a new wobbler out and a, and a PK disc. And we're starting to pull those on live, live bait with uh, either artificials or, or, or leeches or crawlers. So we start doing that and just moving a little bit quicker. And, uh, and then come the fall again, fish are usually a little bit deeper. Now they're going to start thinking up and coming into the shallower part of the water column. Again, in the fall, we again, start pitching and ripping, uh, you know, the ridge rattle is a really good one for, for targeting, uh, a deeper water, water uh, fish as well. Jigs, spinners, anything like that. Well, and Lindy rigs. You know, the fall classic was one on Lindy rigs and, uh, and crankbaits basically. So kind of a both, you know, <laughs> and then the winter time, of course, early winter is, is my, my fun time. I mean, everybody likes to hit that early bite. We again, start over with the PK spoons and the ridge rattlers and, and jigs and whatnot. And yeah, location is key though. You got to do your homework. You got to know where you're going. Uh, if you're just going in the out there, helter skelter, it's not going to work. Do a little bit of homework, contact your tackle shops. And I guarantee if they give you any tips at all, it's, it's probably, there's going to be a crowd of guys around. Just stay off the edge of them. Say, you know, it's, I like to fish away back from them. We, we fished the, over the years and, and kind of just on the edge of where everybody else seems to be, can be critical because those fish do get pushed off. 
And then you can reap the benefits from that because they like that. Big fish are smart. They don't get big for being caught every day. They they know what they're doing. So, so that kind of, I guess, in a in a nutshell is is what you can do. But again, to get catch those quality big fish, you got to have the the body of water to uh, catch them. I mean, you can doesn't matter what walleye swim in, in different lakes, big lakes, small lakes, medium lakes. I've caught some monster fish in in sloughs, basically. And you went, how did that fish get that big? Because nobody targeted them, nobody caught them. Like they can be there, but you know, we got. Deep in Baker, Last Mountain Lake, Nippon, the river system. We got some great rivers too. And they get big because nobody's out there. A lot of places where you're from, there's there's a lot of people and uh, they get they get caught pretty pretty regular and, and taken home and eat most of them. So that's why I'm lucky enough to be in a, in a province like this that I can target big fish because that's that's one of the keys is is finding the body of water that holds those big fish. You can go out to a little reservoir and the biggest fish in it is you know, I, I, I fish on one of the systems there quite often because they have a cabin there. And if we get a four pound fish, we're lucky. But in the same breath, uh, we get numbers. You just won't get big. They just do not grow. You need the forage. You need, you know, the temperature. Everything's got to be just perfect to get those big monsters. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that as far as when you're out there and you're trying to catch something to eat. What are you mm-hmm. typically looking for as far as a keeper walleye versus something you're going to put back? Yeah. I, I like to keep get on the day, but yeah, 15, 16, 17, 18, they're just like, I mean, they're candy, right? If you're going out quite often, take your limit if you want. If you got fish in the fridge, don't, you know, like make sure that you're, you know, kind of conserve that end of it. But I mean, historically, I'll catch my two, three, four walleye, whatever I catch and bring home and I eat them that night. There's nothing better than fresh fish. I mean, you don't want to leave them in the, in the fridge or over the, the winter and then try and eat them in summertime. Just consume what you have and and eat them quickly at, at 18. If you wanted to pick the perfect size would be like 18 inches, anything in that 20 and 21 too. They, they start, you know, I, I consider that almost like a, they're most of them are males, not all of them, but that's your spawning breeds. And then when you're getting anything over like most of the, like Tobin, for instance, Tobin Lake, it's protected. You can't keep anything over 55 and it's gotta be, uh, you know, it's gotta be over 86 centimeters before you can even keep a walleye. Well, that's 34 inches. That's, that's, and they, the reason they got that 86 in there is they, because the world record's going to come out of there. And if somebody does catch it and he has the inkling, I personally would release it. I take the pictures and release it, let somebody else catch it. But, uh, you know, at least you have a shot if you do catch that 17, 18 pound fish that you can take it home if you wished. But I'd say release them all. Anything in that 18 to 19, 20 inches is eaters and uh, the rest, the rest go back. Yeah. I think that's good advice. And like you said, the, the ones that taste the best are 15 to 18, 19 inches after that, those are your primary breeders. So put those back. I saw a study a few years ago and it, it was looking at, you know, which female walleyes are the best, you know, for spawning and, and Mm -hmm. having success. And they found something like the, it was like the 19 to 22 inch, 23 inch was like the best spawners. And that, you know, as they get older, they don't spawn mm-hmm. as well. But I think to your point, like having those bigger fish in the water is great, you know, especially yeah. for yeah. kids that want to come and fish or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've got a, there's a, a Saskatchewan Research Center, Center here has, uh, we actually work with them at the Saskatchewan Walleye Trail. We work closely with, with fisheries there talked to uh, Chris Summers before and he said it doesn't matter any size female will produce some eggs so even a you know like I said oh, 10 pounder your mother killer is not going to reproduce no they reproduce 
you know, maybe they won't have the the million two eggs or whatever that a, a five or six pound walleye might have. But the, even if they had a few hundred thousand, that's still a lot of eggs. And, and those fish need to be respected and released back into the water so that our kids can catch that record fish that I caught years back and continue to catch, release anything that's of any size at all, in, in my humble opinion. But I think, and, and, and it's changed a lot from back in the day when we used to go out in around a few years and the trick was get your five fish and, you know, you were throwing back the three pounders and trying to keep a four and a five. Not anymore. It's all changed. People's educations have changed and we have to, otherwise we're not going to have any fish left there. Some of the provinces have struggled over the last little while and they're getting a little better. There used to be, and I think there still is some, some tagging systems where you're, you're, you're basically literally get drawn a tag for a, a white tailed deer or a mule deer or whatever in some of these provinces. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're such that they'll do that for walleye. And that's that. I don't want to ever see that in Saskatchewan. Uh, I think our fishery is in great shape, but we've got to, we've got to respect it and, and look after it too. I'm kind of, you know, I'm with you on that. I, I think that Wyoming's kind of a little bit more liberal in how the, the bag limits are set. You know, like most places mm-hmm. in Wyoming, you can catch six walleye of any size. There's a couple of exceptions, but that's basically the rule. But that also is because most of the places that we have you know, walleye kind of like Boyson Reservoir near me. It's a trout fishery and that's what they want to manage it for. So the walleye are kind of like a second thought, even though the walleye are what people are coming to Boyson to catch. Like they haven't stocked walleye in Boyson since the seventies, but they're self-sustaining. Right. And so right. Yeah. it is, it is pretty important on a body of water like that to let the big ones go because it's not getting stocked this year or next year or any year to come because they're trying right. to manage right. it for trout. Whereas right. like Glendo Reservoir, closer to where Pat lives, they're putting mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of walleye in there, you know, and they and they have a slot limit there. So they're trying to okay. manage that specific body of water for that species, which makes sense. I mean, it, 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 it all makes sense when you think about it. But for walleye specifically, I think it's interesting because, you know, you talk about how many eggs they can produce and just how how many fish you can get out of them. Do you, in Canada, in Saskatchewan specifically, is there a pretty good management plan? Like, do you guys have walleye fish, uh, you know, uh, hatcheries and different things like that and trying to maintain populations and do stocking efforts? Oh yeah, for sure. We have uh, probably one of the best, uh, better than most provinces. You know, I've been in there quite a few times and a few of my friends work there and they, they do all species though, but it, they, they pretty much target and look at the, at the walleye. They have spawning camps. I don't know how the numbers are staggering, how many, uh, eggs and, and whatnot that are fertilized and, and returned back to the uh, resource center there where they make them, you know, into little fry and whatnot, and then eventually release them back into the system. Every lake that they do this flying, and now, right now they're using Buffalo Pound, they use Beef and Baker, they'll pull those eggs out of the out of the females and that, then they'll turn around and how many they take out, they restock that lake again with so many, like a percentage of those, of those fry back into the system. So, they're never, you know, there's some talk, oh, you're hurting and harming the fish. No, they're, they're making it that much better. But yeah, it's really good. We've got a, a, a good mix and working with a lot of the, you know, with, again, with the Saskatchewan Walleye Trail, we work hand in hand with fisheries and uh, we're a voice to them. And we want to sustain this fishery for our kids and their kids' kids. <laughs> they like it. You know, otherwise, yeah, it will end. And we've seen it happen before on some lakes that get fished right out and then they've got to put complete, you know, blockages on and, no limits or, you know, one type of thing, but no, they, we work hand in hand with the, basically the Saskatchewan government. It's been working well. Happy to do it too. So if guy or gal wants to go out and catch the biggest walleye of their life, 
what time of year would you suggest that they go and try to accomplish this? Because I hear a debate between walleye anglers on this. <laughs> some will say spring, some say fall. Those are the two main ones I hear because they're usually yeah. a little bit more accessible to the angler. But yeah. what, what in your opinion is the best time of year to catch a monster? Yeah. The, the spring, uh, I mean, is numbers you're going to catch and you're going to catch big fish too, but they're already, you know, they're done laying their eggs. We've got protected dates that we can't fish and that's when they're spawning. So they've already laid all their eggs and I've caught 31 inch walleye, 32 inch walleye, and they barely scratched 10, 11 pounds. Like, but that same fish catching that 32 in the fall when she's fattening up there. Uh, now you're talking, or even winter now, like the early part of winter where they start putting on the beef. And I'll tell you, they're, they're 13, 14 pounds, some of them. Like, they're big, you know. And again, the body of water will, will dictate that. But I would say the fall is probably your best big, big fish bite that you can, you can muster. If, uh, lengthwise, I mean, they're all going to be a certain length, right? A 20, 29, 30 incher is going to be, you know, eight and a half pounds in the spring. But come fall, 10, 2, 10, 4, you know, he's going to be over the 10 pound mark easily. You know, so they'll they'll put on two or three pounds of weight with uh, their, their feeding and eating to again they're building up their their fat in their bodies to make it through the winter you know feed their eggs and grow their eggs so that takes a lot of a lot of nourishment so they go into that hyperphagia mode where they eat just about anything that'll fit in their mouths and i know like here on our wyoming reservoirs they're eating trout they're eating emerald shiners whatever they can get so typically i have people it's like hey if you know where the emerald shiners are the trout are going to be there. The walleye are going to be there. The crappie are going to be there. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. going to be there because they're trying to get ready yeah. for winter time. So what's it like yeah. up in Canada? Is it's kind of a similar thing? I mean, what are these big walleye eating in the fall? Most of our lakes hold a lot of cisco, tulabi, whitefish, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But mostly a cisco is a tulabi. And, and then some some have a mixture of perch in there too, really strong patterns of perch, like lots of lots of perch they'll eat in the Sicklebacks, they'll eat anything. I've seen them eating crayfish. I've caught walleye on Last Mountain Lake with uh, crayfish in their bellies and stuff like that. So they're opportunists. You know, if there's a crayfish, he's, you know, oh, it's too hard on them. That jaw can crush your finger, man. It's going to crush a little crayfish that's three inches long. So they will eat them, you know, they're, but the, most of the time they're after that, that uh, Tulabi Cisco uh, type of bait. That's what they're shiners, I guess some people call them. Um, you know, you know, any, anything that swims, they're going to face them. So. And people forget that a walleye can eat something pretty substantial. Like I, I caught a 19 inch walleye a couple of years ago in the fall and I brought Mm -hmm. him home to eat and I cut him open and he had a nine inch rainbow trout in his stomach. So, I mean, that's a 19 inch walleye. That's not, not huge, but it had a nine inch trout in its stomach, a stalker (laughs) trout, you know? And to your point in the summertime, we get a really good walleye bite on, uh, you know, your crawdad colored cranks or spoons. And I mean, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll take a home an 18 incher and it's got a dozen mm-hmm. or more crawfish in its stomach. They don't care. I mean, they're going to eat that. Yeah, they, something's moving. What's that? They turn down, boom, the boom, and they eat it type of thing. I, uh, this is many moons ago. I caught two walleye. We caught our uh, you know, half decent limb in a walleye. There's three of us in the boat. And I said, man, these two are really fat. They took them home. We're cleaning them. I cut them open and looked in their belly and it was full of somebody cut and cubed up uh, beef, like like an, an animal, you know, the beef. Mm-hmm. And he'd cut it up and, he, you know, a lot of people put mercurifilm on them and use that, you know, they smell, it's bloody, it's got some scent to it. And they these two walleye, it must have been somebody dumped their, their leftover from the, you know, that day into the water and that walleye, 
the both of them were just packed with these chunks of meat. But this is ridiculous. It looked like stewing meat for goodness sake. <laughs> so they will eat whatever they, you know, they're, <laughs> they doesn't have to swim. They're going to pick it off the bottom if they're hungry. I've got walleye with the, uh, with grass moss stuck in their bellies. Like it's like pulling us. They must be a vegetarian. But <laughs> it, it was in the, in the fish's stomach. It doesn't make sense. But there it was. I've had them where they have, you know, like mayfly larva and other kind of stuff in their stomachs because they'll eat whatever they can. I mean, they're, they're an opportunistic, you know, hunter. And so I had a friend, he was trying to catch channel catfish and he was using chicken livers and he caught these two like four pound walleye. And he was like, man, I didn't think that they would eat that. I was like, well, why wouldn't they eat it? I mean, it's food, you know, and I I think walleyes kind of get this stigma of that they only eat other fish, but I mean, they eat just about anything and everything. They'll eat little blood worms, depending on what's in that system too. Some of the lakes and reservoirs and that you'll see where they just, and they're not very big. They're like, perch will eat a lot of that too, but they'll eat it. They'll, like you said, that mayfly hatch is a, is a killer on a bite. And some of the lakes are just, they're just gorging themselves on those. They just swim with their mouths open and fill them up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to catch a walleye if there's a hatch going on. And it's, it can be for sure. Just because of that. I mean, they, yeah. they take what they can get. And even when the emerald shiners are running real heavy, like there's times in our reservoirs where, you can almost walk across them, you know, to get across the lake. Because <laughs> um, there's so many of them in there, but you yeah. can just hear the walleye crashing them up against the yeah. bank into the trout. You know, you got these massive trout that are coming in and yeah. just smashing these things. Well, it's really hard to catch them when they're doing yeah. that because they, yeah. all they have to do is swim real fast with their mouth open and they're going to get just about everything that they need. So that can make it pretty difficult and maddening because they're right there in front of you and you can't catch them yeah. yeah i see lots of walleye breaking on the surface and people oh that's a tool of ear maybe the pike that splashed and a lot of times it's a big walleye i've watched them come up right by the dock and what was that that was a walleye you know you see that little white tip taken off and yeah i've seen walleye like people don't believe me when i tell them i've seen walleye sitting there not 200 but i bet you there was 100 in in a foot and a half of water in a back bay at Ethan baker that i mean we couldn't get our boat in there they were stuck in there so so tight there's no water left and they were in this and it was sunny out and i'm going this doesn't make sense and when they came rolling out of that because they spooked eventually uh they were banging the side of our boat as they went <laughs> and we turned around went down the coolie draw and caught fish like crazy so that's something you got to look at keep keep your eyes and ears open for for visual because that can be key to catching a lot of good fish too yeah so when the ice comes off you're yeah. going immediately to that back bay, right? Like that's kind of where you're that's headed. Where like that's where you're going to go. I like the spinajig a lot. And mm-hmm. I found that spring springtime, you can work it real slow. And I like that little propeller because it, it yeah. kind of gives off that flash. Can you talk about how to use that spinajig? Cause we get a lot of questions about that too. Yeah. Well, that spinajig is designed to, again, that little blade on the top and it's in three different colors. It, it triggers, uh, you know, the vibration that fishes was two years ago. I think I caught a 31 on it, just pitching the jig in my, my son was using it. I said, okay, we're going to try these now. We're different things. You know, we always try different stuff. Uh, you, you know, if you're going to say you're going to use just the PK lure, you should be trying other stuff too, because it may not work at that given time. But I told my son, I said, we got these new ones here and we're going to give them a shot. He goes, oh, that's kind of cool. Put it on there. And I said, are you snagged? He goes, no, it's a fish. I said, oh, okay. And I get the net and net this really big fish, probably a seven or eight pounder. And I said, wow, oh, maybe dad should tie one on. So <laughs> I put one on it. <laughs> Pitched it out there and it wasn't, I mean, tap, tap, boop, what was this? And I'm fighting this fish. And I'm like, Holy smokes. And it was like 31 
She's like, but a spawned out female, but just a beautiful fish. And we just, we just tip it with a, because we don't have live bait here. Uh, usually a, a, a minnow. I will sometimes slide a, a piece of uh, like Berkeley power, you know, grub or something on there so that it, it doesn't slide back and forth, but I'll just, or thread, thread the, through the mouth and the back out and then into the side of the, of the minnow so that you, you know, when that fish comes to grab the spin a jig, you get a good chunk of it and he's getting the hook as well. He's not biting and pulling the, the basically I have some here. He's not pulling the, uh, the minnow off your hook and, uh, and I'll put it, I'll put a leech on it too. Uh, that works really well. And I'll thread a crawler on it too. Just slide it through the nose of the crawler and then out the side, just so you get a little bit of a, a tail left on it and it kind of vibrates, but don't make it so big that again, they're going to grab half of it and they don't get the hook and they just take, take half of the bait and he's gone, right? That would be the key just to, through the gills and into the side on a frozen minnow, or if you can use live minnows, use those. We can't, in, we can't do that in Saskatchewan, but Manitoba, you can. And I know guys that fish uh, a lot of Lake Winnipeg and that, they do really well on that vintage jig. So up at uh, some of the tournaments and that, so they've done well with that. Yeah, and if you're fishing down here for like trout, I use that like three inch power minnow, Berkeley power that minnow too. or gulp. I was just gonna say, yeah. Yeah, yep. and those work great. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anything that's got a little bit of scent and vibration and add it to that little spinner on the top and that I've caught a lot of fish and you know, like the ones you don't want to catch, if you want to say that, but pike where, I mean, if you didn't have that little extra spinner, cause it's made out of steel and it bangs and, and makes noise as it spins too and clanks, they'd be gone, you know, cause it would cut it right off. So it actually adds, adds it a little bit of a, you know, about a two inch leader as well. So that helps too when you're yeah, so it's like a little piece of steel is what he's talking yep. about, and then the spinner yep. kind of runs up along that. In fact, I've got yep. I've got one here. So for the people who are yep. watching online, you can see this. Yeah, see, we both got them. We know what we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, and that and that little piece there, just uh, you know, and there's different colored blades on it, and that's solid metal, and it gives you that extra, you know, inch and a half, almost two inches of safety when you're catching pike and and happen, and you're ripping through a lot of fish as well. So. Yeah. And that vibration, I mean, that lateral line on a wally, it just senses something going on. What's that? And boom, a regular jig just working real slow on the bottom can work when it's finessing. And, and, but a lot of times people over finesse, if there's such a word where they're going after, you oh, just got to do it this way. And you get some guy out there or some kid that, that got a snoopy rod, he's casting out, reeling it as fast as he can. And I've got a story about that one. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, you know, this, this young lad didn't even know how to fish, you know, and you couldn't, I mean, slow down and he wouldn't and boom, boom, these fish were grabbing it. I said, okay, keep doing it then. <laughs> you know, like you just let, again, let the fish decide, you know, what they want, you know, and change, <laughs> just keep changing and changing. And then when you hit that holy grail, like I always say, it's like night and day, we've had, uh, you know, times out on the water where ice fishing here several times where we couldn't get bit and we put a flyer fish down there. It was a the big one, like half ounce, uh, red dog glow. And my buddy Arden said, ah, man, they're just coming in. They won't do nothing. I'm going to try this flutterfish. That's too big. Put it on there. Boom, boom. Okay, hang on. Everybody switches. And we absolutely lights out. And before that, we were trying to convince this fish that he should maybe bite it. He gave him too much time to see it. And now they just wanted their reactionary bite. Boom. And they were eating it. So it was amazing, actually. And we've done that many times. Let the fish dictate what they want. If he's not biting change the color, change the design. And that's the beauty of PK. We've got so many different styles and designs and colors and, you know, we're getting bigger and then we got a good summer lineup as well with the PK disc and the wobblers and the Vortex Junior Vortex is really good too. Uh, yeah. So it, that all works. 
I want yeah. to talk about this guy for a second. So this one's okay, hey, the... This is getting kind of uncanny. <laughs> we have the same one. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this PK Ridgeline uh, next-gen crankbait. So yeah. this one I'm holding up, for those of you who can't see, this is a crawfish killer. These things, you can hear the hear the rattle really well, but they yeah. they are absolutely dynamite. I have a buddy. He's... He's now pretty much exclusively a trolling fisherman. He's getting up into his 80s. He likes those Berkeley flicker shad. And I was like, well, you ought to try this, you know, PK crankbait and see what you think of it. So I hooked him up with a uh, rainbow colored one. And it was in June and the fish are suspended, right? So there's there's lots of bait kind of out in the middle. So you're fishing 60, 70 feet of water and the, the walleye and the trout are all in about 15, 20 feet of water. And they're just chasing this bait, you know, as it moves through the reservoir. And he sent me a picture the next day and it was walleye after walleye after walleye on that rainbow colored, you know, PK ridgeline. And uh, we did the same thing again this fall, right before it iced up, it was freezing cold. We were fishing and we had multiple of the uh, Berkeley flicker shad. We had two on one side of the boat and then we had the PKs on the other. And Mm -hmm. We didn't catch a fish on anything except for that PK Ridgeline, which was pretty awesome. And it's, again, it was that rainbow color. So those mm-hmm. things can be really deadly yeah. uh, for, yeah. for the walleyes too. You know, when we talk about, uh, again, redefined, PK goes that extra little step and put that on the back of the hooks. And little things like that, like guys have always asked me, how come you caught a bigger fish in the ears? Or how come you, and then I'll ask the same question, why did you beat me when they caught a bigger fish? And I'll look at their lure and I say, oh, you put that on there. Oh, you've done that. Oh, you put some fish scent on. Sometimes it's the littlest thing out there that can trigger that big fish to bite and or a fish to bite. If you don't tweak it and, and play play around, I, I find it enjoyable actually to actually play with the lures and, and adapt to them. Some guys will take a Sharpie and, and put a little bit of a, a gill plate on it or a couple little colors or some dots on it. Hey, you're having fun. Uh, do that too because it can make a big difference color, whatever the scheme of it, or an add-on, add-on a different type of hook, add-on, you know, uh, any anything different is good because everybody's doing the same thing. When you go through a group of boats, that's been one of my, oh, I want to say it might as well, <laughs> one of my tricks is a lot of times what I've got down there isn't what the rest of the group has. Even my own partner shakes his head at me sometimes when I fish in tournaments and, and he doesn't shake his head too too hard because he needs to get in the net. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it can it can be just something as simple as a little sequence or a color of a bead, something just a little bit smaller that he's not using, and I just change and I change and I trigger the fish. Whether it's a smaller, again, the other day there it was we we fish Lake Went Manitoba actually Lake Winnipeg. We changed down to eighth ounce with our minnows and that, and that was the ticket. They wanted something smaller. They didn't want the great big large movement and whatnot. So we gotta do with the fish again. Say it again. Let, let them just, <laughs> let them tell you what they want. Yeah, so. so piggybacking on that, if you're jigging for a walleye and you're watching them on your Vexilar or your Garmin or whatever you're using, right? what are you looking for and how do you, how do you change that cadence? Because I know that you had a video a long time ago when I was working for PK and you were showing how to use the PK spoon where you kind of pounded the bottom, stirred up the sediment. You kind of right. lift the lure up into that and just kind of work it there. And then right. sure enough, you got bit, but can you right. kind of talk about some of the best practices of how to, how to trigger those actual strikes on your lure? Right. And that's one of them. Uh, a lot of times it's a cadence that you, you know, you don't want to, I call it the yo-yo. You, 
up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. You got to give a pause in between for that fish to actually strike. So, uh, again, you're trying to, you're, you're watching your flasher and, or your, your Garmin or whatever you're running and live scope. There's so many of them there and they're, those are all great. Those are, those are the thing to have, but at the end of the day, whatever you're using, when that fish comes in and he leaves right away or spooks off really, you'll, you'll watch him. It'll, the fish will come in real slow. You get, you know, your, your flash will start lighting up and now he's gone. Well, where'd he go? How come, why did he leave so fast? That's the trigger to me to say, okay, next time I see one come in, I'm going to start, I'll hit the bottom. I pull up and then I, my cadence will, will pretty much right in half. Like if I was ripping it pretty, pretty quick and, and hard tap, tap, rip, rip, you know, maybe a foot up. Now all of a sudden I'm down to just a little jiggle and a wiggle and a not very much because you're going to want to have that fish stay interested and not spook them away. And a lot of times that's what, what people do is they end up scaring the fish away and not convincing them to stick around a little bit longer to turn and then finally eat it. I think that's a mistake a lot of anglers make is they stay in the same thing, tap, tap, rip, 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 and they just keep doing the same thing. Well, here's the fish now. Well, right down. I cut everything in half pretty much. And then, and then even after that, I'll hold it so still that I, you know, you don't even want to breathe and that fish will come up. And dunk. You know, I've got many a cases out there where I've been sitting there just half asleep. Oh, what's that? And you're holding it. Here he comes up. Boom. And before that, even if you just gave it a little jiggle at all, they wouldn't even look at it. Drove you nuts, but you figured out what they wanted. And that's the key. Sometimes they want it ripped really hard in the dirt, up, down, boom, boom, stop for that split second. Again, the, the, the pause is the trigger. Boom. And they hit it. Sometimes the pause is the pause and you don't do anything else but hold it steady. You know, a lot, they call it dead sticking, right? A lot of times you get a lot of big fish caught when you dead stick a line, even on a dead minnow, a live minnow, of course, that's obvious it'll, it'll swallow it, but at times there's no movement at all. It's funny how fish will do that to you. Cause like here with our trout, you'll have that mm-hmm. where the trout will be super aggressive for like 30 minutes. And then mm-hmm. it's like, they just quit. And they like that dead stick. So you have a dead stick next to you and you know, you're working a spoon or whatever. And then all of a sudden your dead sticks like, you know, they grab it and (laughs) it's like, man, what is going on with these fish? But it's, it's interesting. And you have to play with, you know, what you're presented and you, you have to play the the cards that you get. So, um, what are some other, just before we wrap up here, you know, what are just some other thoughts as far as, you know, things every angler should know when they're going after walleye, what are some keys, some takeaways that you've learned from other great anglers over the years? I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, there's so many good anglers out there, uh, but there's one thing that each and every one of these anglers that get to the point of being, you know, considered a, a good angler or even a great angler. That's a lot of them out there is they, they never stop learning. You know, they, they advance their knowledge and, and, and everything, whether it's electronics or the type of tackle, the, you know, the rods, reels, line, and they're always looking for that, you know, that a little bit better edge. Uh, bass fishermen do it all the time. Uh, educate yourself extremely well whenever you're going out on a body of water to know where you're fishing, you know, uh, okay, this is Lake X. Well, you better know everything about Lake X before you even put the boat in the water. No sense learning it after the fact that, you know, Lake X doesn't even have walleye in it. You know, like as silly as that might sound, you got to know what you're after and how they, how they, uh, you know, catch the fish on that, on that body of water, uh, contact your, you know, education, contact your, uh, your local tackle shop. If there's a guide out there that you want to hire to take you out for the first, first day or two, just to, to educate you safety, number one, and, and what are you after and how they, 
how they bite because every single lake will have some sort of little twist to it that fish just like something better than the next thing. It seems to be the ticket if you just take your time and, and educate yourself before you get on and be prepared before you even hit the, hit the water, proper bait, everything's got to be just lined up. If you go to a, I tournament fish. So if I go to a tournament and I forget my bait, I'm going to go home type of thing. It's the same thing with anything else. Take everything that, you know, my, my tackle bags are so heavy. Guys hate fishing with me because they, well, what do you got all this stuff, stuff for? This is ridiculous. So yeah, but the day that I need to dig in that tackle bag and get a, <laughs> a jig of some sort or, or whatever it might be, it's in there. And I, I have a story here a couple of years ago. I said, oh man, we, we pounded them on this, but you can't get them anymore. What do you got? Shows me. Oh yeah. Dig them. I, I pull on my tackle bag and he couldn't believe it. I had six of them. He goes, that's impossible. I, said, no, it's not. <laughs> I got like too many. I don't want to say how many tackle bags I got. But yeah, and it's versatility. That's key. Just an education. Just keep, keep yourself in tune with what's going on. You'll become a better angler. I've been doing this 50 years and I can learn from a 10 year old what he's done that. What did he do? Wow. He was just leaving it sit on the bottom and eating his sandwich in the while I picked it off the bottom, dropped my bait down there. Boom. While I start eating it off the bottom, it makes no sense. Again, let the fish tell you what to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I tell everybody the, the minute that I think I've kind of learned something about walleye, I learned something else because That's they, right. and they yeah. just keep teaching you over time because they, they yeah. go where the food is. They, yeah. They're not strapped to the constraints that we think they are. No, we it, last trip out there at the Lake Winnipeg, we were fishing uh, 16 ish feet of water, and, and there was fish six feet under the surface and right on the bottom. And we targeted every one of those fish with our, with our sonars because we could see them, you know. So each fish that came in, we, you know, whether we caught them or not, at least we could play the game and watch them and, and try and trigger that fish. So, and we, we had a good trip. So, here's one of the things I ask everybody that comes on the show if you're going to eat a walleye, how are you going to prepare that thing? I used to do a lot of deep frying, so kind of got away from that. <laughs> but uh, I keep it really simple. I just use a, a pancake batter or a pancake uh, flour. And it really doesn't matter what type as long as it's like just a pancake flour. Because pancake flour, like regular flour, will burn really easy. Pancake flour is designed to brown up. And I just, you know, a, a moist uh, salt, and pepper, salt and pepper on it. And then I just roll it in the pancake flour. And again, it's got to be moist, so it adheres to it. And I fry it in butter, really slow, medium heat type thing. And I want to taste the fish. I don't want to not taste the fish. I, I like, you know, walleye really doesn't have a taste, but I like that the non-taste and not playing around and, and trying to put, uh, some people put Cajun on and stuff like that. I'll do that the odd time. I just like the basic, you know, and deep fry some French fries and I'm good to go. That's It's simple. <laughs> Keep it simple. I like that. That's all, that's all I do. So, One of the things that I've started doing is I like to use one of our sponsors is High Mountain Seasonings, and they have this cowboy Cajun um, mm -hmm. seasoning. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's great for fish tacos. So like if you take the walleye mm -hmm. and you just kind of sprinkle it on about a half hour before you start to, to cook, you know, and then heat up some yeah. butter, like you said, on like a medium heat, yeah. and then just brown it on both sides really good and, yeah. and throw it in yeah. a taco with some slaw. That's pretty darn good. I can say that this is a podcast I've wanted to do for a long time. So Tim, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be here. And guys, if you want to get some of these lures that we've been talking about this whole show, 
The best place to go is pklure.com, or you can go to your local bait shop. They've probably got them. I mean, there's pretty good distribution of PKs now. And there is. If they yeah. don't have what you're looking for, tell tell the guy who orders the fishing tackle to be like, hey, I'd love it if you brought in some ridge yeah. rattlers or some rattle spoons or, you know, yeah. maybe they don't have PK spoons or flutterfish, which would make me just mind blown <laughs> if they don't have that by now. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. can get them either way. And then if you do go to pklure.com, use PK Pro at checkout, you get a little bit of a discount and yeah, go out and try them. They work great. Yeah, yeah and if there's any questions somebody has about the product or you know, what we use and, uh, you know, uh, PK lures right on, on our Facebook page and the website, you can ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask anything or even you see me on, on their, uh, you know, I'll post something on Facebook. Just ask the question, send a message. Boom. I'll, I'll respond to it. I got no problem giving guys the information that they need. You know, it's, it's a, a it's the way we all learn and, and we want to get better at it and you know, grow the sport even more than it is already. And conserve it too, though, you know, so that comes hand in hand. I, I tell you, there's a hot bite on this lake or, you know, uh, but use your head when you're out there too and, and, and take just a few fish and, you know, it works for everybody then. So, yeah. Take yeah, lots, we got of no <laughs> lots of pictures. Lots of pictures. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, you know, even, even fish that are three pounds, that makes a good picture, especially when it's your, you're out there with your kids and, and catching fish. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, well, but appreciate it too, having me on and chatting. I always like to talk about fishing. I don't know, I've been doing it too many years, maybe. I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is fun to talk about. I mean, you and yeah. I both absolutely love to go fishing. We love big walleyes, so I knew this would be a yeah. fun episode. And I'm sure yeah. people will pick up some great information from this. And so, yeah, go go use the information. Make yourself a better mm-hmm. angler. And, again, just stay humble and, you know, keep learning because the fish are going to yeah. teach you. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. exactly, exactly. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which really helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at radcastoutdoors.com. While you're there, please help support the show by purchasing a Radcast Outdoors shirt, or hat. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation, and we'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thank you again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.